of the Funny Museum and Woo! the Funny Museum Podcast. I am Justin Winnie. I'm so excited to do a podcast this week. It's been so long. And I'm joined by Maria Van Dyken Lee, who coincidentally is also a co-director of the Funny Museum. Maria, welcome. Thank you, Justin. It's so nice to have a few minutes to talk about soccer. It's always nice to have a, to talk about soccer with you. I have an important question for you, Maria. What would you like to ask? What are you and Jeremy doing for Noche Deor? For what? Noche Deor. <laughs> you don't know the long-standing soccer tradition of having the Ballon d'Or player come and play a meaningless friendly in front of fans who paid thousands of dollars to watch? This isn't a real thing, right? Yes. Yes. You've never heard of it. <laughs> is, this, is this a thing that happens every year? So, Inter Miami, who is not in... No, but please tell me. Is this a thing that happens every year? I don't think this has ever happened. Okay. So Inter Miami, who um, are not in the playoffs, realizing they're losing millions of dollars by people not paying out of, you know, emptying their bank accounts to watch my um, Messi play, decided to hold an event to honor Messi's uh, winning of the eighth Ballon d'Or, which does not mean balloon d'Or, it means golden what? ball. And so on November 10th, which is in the midst of the MLS actual playoffs, they will be holding a friendly match against NYCFC an event to honor Messi's victory, and it's called the Noche de Hor. They mixed two languages for a very special night, the Night of Gold, and tickets, a pitch side, are already selling on the resale market for over $1,500. So they're going to sell five tickets. Yeah, they're not sold out <laughs> yet, but it's just... It's just crazy. I did mention... Happy Noche Dior happy, to all who celebrate. To all those who celebrate, <laughs> the Footy Museum wishes you a happy Noche Dior. <laughs> we got to you and yours. make that up. <laughs> we should, wishing you and yours a happy Noche Dior to those who celebrate. And to those who are not part of the Noche Dior but stuck in the sad MLS playoffs, we are still in the first round. Only one team has guaranteed their spot uh, to the semi-finals, and that is Cincinnati. Have you watched any of the MLS playoffs? Mm, I'm sorry to say that I have, have not, not caught any games thus far. Well, I would say, you know, this. there's a lot of controversy because this is this year they moved from all elimination games last few years to where the first round is three-game series, the idea being the best team would have a chance to prove itself. Now, MLS has had a lot of different... The idea being that Miami would make it. Into... Yes, the idea being there'd be multiple messy games, and, but then there wouldn't be a Noche Dior. Oh, there wouldn't be a Noche Dior. <laughs> so people are confused. MLS has played around with different three-game formats at different times, um, and they changed their format quite a bit. Um, some might say like we change our setting of our podcast recording quite a bit. I don't know if anyone's oh. noticed. We're in a different, we're in a new bunker location. Um, uh, and I have to say the first round game didn't really have that urgency. Last night was the first second round game. So meaning the team that had lost the first game could be out of the playoffs if they didn't win. And um, there was a little more urgency, exciting game. The most exciting was the Cincinnati Red Bull game. Uh, Red Bull, New York play like a bunch of high school thugs just heavy tackles we and, love to and, see it in front of a what i loved you know that it's Red this, Bull this Ball. is exactly what uh, apple wants when the announcer at the beginning of the game is it said red bull stadium's bumping we're expecting a massive crowd of seventeen thousand. <laughs> <laughs> i think that stadium holds like 
40,000. So it was like only like a half full stadium, but it was good energy. Um, But like I said, like really nasty fouls coming in. Red Bull went up until toward the end of the game. Uh, Cincinnati tied and at the very death, it looked like they had won off an Olympico Mm -hmm. from the corner, but the the goal was varred off because it was deemed that Cincinnati players had blocked the Red Bull goalie. So they went to penalties where they went 10 rounds and Cincinnati ultimately won. And one thing that stood up, well, it's just like leagues cup there. They haven't played that extra time. So I think they have much more energy. So there's just a higher, higher goal percentage of, of them going in. Um, in extra time, Matt Miazga, the former Red Bull player, former Chelsea player, former U.S. men's national team player, and renowned hothead, um, got an argument with the referee about a call and got a yellow card. And then after he scored his penalty, kind of mockingly blew kisses and hearts for a very extended period of time to the Red Bull crowd and received another yellow card. But he wasn't ejected because it's deemed a second a separate area. So I guess if you get a yellow card in penalties, it you don't automatically get a red card. Hello? Hello. We're down here recording. We'll be right up, okay? Okay? <laughs> so he got a, a second yellow, but it does count towards a yellow card accumulation. So he's going to miss the semifinals just because oh he was gosh. being um, kind of an adolescent. But it also bugged me because I realized that's the kind of player I was. Like, what uh, could I, could not separate myself. Although I was in high schooler, I was I, not a professional. I can, I can yeah. see it. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, Maria, what kind of player were you? What kind of? Were you a really uh, helpful player on um, the field, on the pitch? I contributed my own way. Oh yeah, how so? <laughs> I. Uh, uh, I I think I defined my playing style early on um, mm-hmm. when I would teach my fellow teammates how to tie their laces during gameplay on the pitch. Ooh. Yeah, that's well, the kind of player I was. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't the only controversy this weekend. Do you know what we're looking at here? Oh, we are looking at... I feel like we've seen this before. What are we looking at? Oh, I'm having flashbacks. I This is from the Arsenal-Newcastle game, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. So Arsenal-Newcastle uh, tied through most of the game. Towards the end, a ball that goes past the painted lines on the field, out of bounds, is then... Uh, um, kicked in towards the box where there are several fouls, possible handball too. Is that right? <laughs> I don't there's know. everything. I think that there was like a knifing. There was credit card. I think theft. someone kissed the ref. There was a ref. <laughs> someone dug a hole and buried. Uh, Somebody was tying their laces. <laughs> the possum from the LSU game, or whatever that was. Came <laughs> anyway, there was a lot of what seemed to be. Um, uh, fouls and penalties and they went through three separate VR checks and somehow the goal stood and Arsenal lost and after the game first first Mikhail, loss right yeah first loss Mikel Arteta did not hold back said the entire uh, refereeing organization in England was an embarrassment to the league oh my gosh. that this is the top league in the world that they should refereeing of that level the Arsenal team backed up his statements and there's a lot of hubbub about this this is kind of crazy right yeah, I feel like this whole accuracy of refing is a conversation that's happening like every week, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah, I feel like if if you're going to use if you're going to <laughs> if if you're going to use VAR to be overly precise and calling back a lot of goals because of offsides, like if someone's knees just slightly passed, then there's an expectation that it's always perfect. But mm-hmm. there's been glaring issues where the interpretation of what is pretty clear evidence has been flawed and there's been real you know real world soccer world consequences you know teams mm-hmm. have have gotten losses that didn't deserve them so i think there needs to be a restructuring but i'm not quite sure what that is which is hard yeah. because a lot of people are asking me to solve it yeah. <laughs> i need to come on and maybe that's right. i maybe knocked that's on your door pro- begging justin please tell me you have a solution maybe that's to the, the problem faults of var maybe that's the problem <laughs> So that happened. But we're here this week <laughs> to talk about a different competition. It is the Europa League. It is a wonderful competition for teams who did not make it into the Champions League. But you get a wide variety of smaller, more obscure clubs, clubs from places you never hear about or didn't know existed. I mean, you also get some pretty great crests. Club. And that's what we're going to talk about. Clubs that are pretty good. Pretty good. Not the best, and pretty um, good. we each picked one to talk about. Now, before I start, I do want to highlight some of my absolute favorites mm-hmm. are in this competition. Villarreal, uh, Marseille, USG. These are all, in my mind, just absolutely Crests gorgeous. that are almost too good to even talk about. Like, no, I'm yeah, not. I just want to share them. Like, They're just beautiful. Let's just, moment, let's just be silent for a moment and take these in. Mm. Mm. Good design. I love it. <laughs> Speaking of good design, the one I did choose... <laughs> is a football club sheriff. Um, and this one stood out not because of its fantastic um, collage graphic design, but I was just curious why there was an American Western style sheriff badge participating in the Europa League. And I wondered, was there a Texas high school team that had somehow qualified? You hear a lot about Texas high school teams playing in Europe. Oh yeah, that's big. It's big soccer country down there. Yeah, <laughs> Texas. Um, but no, this is actually um, the FC Sheriff Terraspol. Uh, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing that. Is uh, the team based in the city of Terraspol, which is in the unrecognized state of Transnest- Transnistria? Here's the flag of the town, Terraspol. Pretty cool flag. It looks like a cake. Very prominent. It's more of a river, which yeah, I think it's is making uh, me hungry. Important. <laughs> wow, we've only barely been here. Uh, which is a river, which is important because at a trans Transnistria is an unrecognized state uh, that is exists between the river Dniester and the Moldovian Ukrainian border. So basically, it's just the the riverbed area. It is a country of 158,000. Um, it is only recognized by three other countries. Here you see it. That little sliver there is what that we're talking thing. about. <laughs> and so this is where <laughs> it's FC just a riverbed. <laughs> um, it's an interesting. It's an interesting place. Here we see the uh, FC Sheriff Stadium, um, and it turns out that that crest wasn't something uniquely designed, but it is the logo for the only commercial enterprise in the entire nation what they run the supermarkets 
the gas stations or the unrecognized um, <laughs> state of Transnistria. Um, they run the supermarkets. They run telecommunications. Uh, and it is a company founded by two former KGB agents. Are you serious? No. Yes. So this country, um, like a lot of countries in that part of the world, was formed after the fall of the Soviet Union. And it kind of separated from Moldova uh, because it didn't like the laws and changes Moldova was doing to change the culture, specifically to get rid of Russian language. The people of trans Transnistria were largely Ukrainian-Russian background, and they felt that that heritage wasn't being honored. So they wanted to separate. Coincidentally, um, they also eventually began to uh, house uh, Russian soldiers. They are on the border of oh, Ukraine. Of course, yes, they are. And that might Prime also placement. make sense why two former KGB agents have such a kind of stranglehold on the market. So it's kind of oh. a KGB oligarchian, excuse me, oligarchian situation over there. Oh. And so and they love John Wayne. Yeah, share with their local. <laughs> so you don't just see it with the soccer team, but you see it on businesses all over this bizarre, I don't want to say bizarre, I've never been there, unusual to it's my un understanding of how places work. It's unusual as an unrecognized state. It's unusual as in size, the particular there's, leadership. There's one commercial entity that owns the soccer team. Um, here, So here is the FC, or just the sheriff uh, grocery store. So you would see it everywhere. But they do play in the Moldovan uh, Super League. And... Uh, FC Sheriff Terraspol are actually regularly represented in Europa League and have had, pretty they've done pretty well. They've done they've done pretty well. They're probably well funded by this um, monopoly by this grocery store oligarchian enterprise. So, uh, kind of an interesting peak. And uh, honestly, of all of the unrecognized states in the world, I had not heard. Of I've this never one. heard of this one either. No, you'd think you'd hear a lot about it. No. There's there's one Nestria, two Nestria, and now I know Transnistria. <laughs> okay. I like the, you know what this reminds me of? What's that? When I was growing up, outside my bedroom window, there was, so that like you could see, there was like between my house and the busy street, 28th Street, there was like, um, like, hundred yards of trees oh, and stuff really? but through the trees yes every night after it got dark you could see the sheriff's badge neon light from the texas roadhouse <laughs> on 28th oh. street where you could throw peanuts on the floor and there it shone wow. as i fell asleep i could see it through what the a trees beautiful story <laughs> days gone by <sighs> speaking of grown-ups you notice my shirt today this is um this is from Grand Rapids. This is where I learned about hot dogs. I won't comment on the, the hot dogs now, but it's in my old neighborhood where I did not see stars like FC um, <laughs> Sheriff Turtle. I don't you have just those had to eat stories. really soggy hot just dogs. Some, make it wet. Make it wet. Yes. Or no. <laughs> <laughs> so you chose a different team. Oh, I you did. I this? chose Sport Club Stromgratz. That's uh, an Austrian team playing Austrian. Bundesliga and um, they've been around since 1909 a very old team and what caught my eye about this is um in particular one you know I love a black and white stripe yeah do you want to describe what this looks yes like? yeah. so uh we're looking at an old-timey photo of the team um that looks like it came out of a Charlie Chaplin film 
and um, some really, With really, really wide. There's some deep. Those are deep cut some jerseys, like below the deep nipple. Deep V's. Yeah, yeah. Deep V's, like pirate level deep V. And these skin shirts. Skin tight. Holy cow. They're skin tight and they go like past the Ooh. hip. It's, it creates a real hourglass shape on these Stum guys. Stum graz Yeah. <laughs> Stum dazzle. <laughs> little white shorts. It's a look. Next to like dudes in bowler hats. It's, you'd think it was just I was listening wondering why we're so... <laughs> We're so loopy. We recorded the entire episode, and then we had major audio prompts. So we're this is round two. So we're a little <laughs> we're bouncing a little bit. Okay, it's better this way. And what's the logo? So picture like an, a simplified American flag in black and white. Yeah, but the blue, With the blue line through the middle of it. No, okay. What Carry blue on. line through the I'm middle? Sorry. <laughs> what are you talking about? Those those blue line flags. They're black. And oh white. my gosh. <laughs> Okay. We speak not. Yes. Um. Anyways, black and oh, I see what you're saying now. No, just <laughs> uh-uh. so just black and white. Just it's just black and white. There's yeah. no no. And there's like an ST and the and upper so square. The the blue um blue those stars, little corner with the stars. Uh, where where <laughs> the, the stars American would be on the American flag It's just a white square, and it's got a monogram ST, right. which is. Strum. Strum. Um, and that means storm in German, by the yeah. way. Um, so, so this is the team where the the Romanian from the Goblet of Fire played on. No, that's Durmstrang, and oh, they're from okay. Germany. <laughs> okay, my bad. Okay. Um, so it's what I think with with older teams like this, what I would expect is that the first crest of the town. Um, would be like a municipality symbol or crest because that's the way it normally goes. But these guys, they just had this flag right from the start. Like the flag caught my eye, and then um, I was great. like, "Oh wow, it's an it's an old old design," and that design sticks with them um, through their history. Here, I have uh, an image of great tifo. A great tifo. It's, it's kind l- of a sunset um, with yeah. the crest in the middle radiating lines. And then it looks like there is flares and smoke behind. It's like behind lit it. from behind. It's beautiful. Very nice. Yeah. And then, um, on the right, some old timey fans with an umbrella. It's a black and white picture. So I don't pay any attention to it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> here I have all of the logos. So you'll notice here. So we're looking at the evolution of the, logo. the evolution of logos since 1909. Um, so it's over a hundred years of history, oh and God. one thing that starts what to happen. What happened in the '90s? Well, I think first we need to address what happened in the '70s. That's true. Because what I have never seen before is this: is um, the the flag is still present Central, yeah. in the logo, but it's surrounded by two concentric circles um, with green. Uh, so now it's inside of another badge. The name has changed. Yeah. Um, slightly and there's another logo within the logo a small circle at the bottom of the crest and that's um, because they changed their name to reflect the sponsor of the team so they actually incorporate the sponsor name into the team name yeah they that's do crazy. that so it went from sk stromgras to sk rika strom which was like a it's a banking a bank. thing yeah so and then adabal fenster sk strom and then Punta Gomer SK Strong. Yeah. Oh, wow. So they actually okay. incorporate the sponsor as time goes on. They'll change and the team name officially the to Footy reflect Museum that. SK Strom. Yeah, that's next year's crest. You got ahead of me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take much to become a sponsor. Um, so I've never seen corporate, uh, corporate yeah. 
well, this first sponsorship one reflected it, in an ownership like bad. this. No, but then so that's so the this one is from where the it's 70s. a circle. It's the black and white flag on a green circle, and it's the Rijkaastrum mm-hmm. with just and a symbol of the bank. Changed. Yeah, but so then then we get to the 90s. Oh boy! Then we get to the 90s, and it's not even the sponsorship just taking over. It is the president of the club wanted to modernize, and he mm-hmm. modernized. He abandoned the flag entirely, and what was created looks startlingly like the seattle sounders old crest very ML, like early MLS so mls yeah. so of the time like copy paste like it is a green shield shape with a bold banner across the middle with sk strong and um atop of that there's the sponsor corporate sponsor right. but then the ball yes the ball it's a 90s ball, but it has motion blur lines coming out of it. it is... It's not only moving across, but from the oh distance God. to the foreground. It's dynamic. It's so dynamic. Soccer. It is. It is a soccer bag. They started playing soccer that year <laughs> in Austria. Very much like the sound. Very much. So sure. people didn't like that very much. They didn't like that they got rid of the flag. They petitioned, the fans like petitioned to get the flag back so eventually in 2007 they did bring the flag back but they did not get rid of the old logo oh, no. they just copy and paste it to the right of the old logo it's just on there now it's just two for one this is like for a one late logo. night oh yeah i can solve it no problem i'll make a new you want the flag you want the flag yeah, I can do here's, the, here's flag. the flag how do you like it giant <laughs> your is giant. are you happy uh, you strong heads <laughs> they weren't happy they weren't oh, happy one bit what's wrong sturmies so for their 100th anniversary they took the opportunity oh, this looks nice to correct the mistake so for their 100th anniversary it's a real classic they took the flag they put it into concentric circles again mm-hmm. which are meant to represent um the famous clock tower clock that's in the city and then they added some laurels. And of course, they had to add well, wait, their corporate on, sponsor, Puntgammer. Punt, the Puntgammer SK Stromgrass. <laughs> you said based on the clock tower. And we're looking at a picture of what looks like just the top third of a clock tower. Um, so that's the clock tower in question? Yeah, a perfectly yeah. fine is clock that, tower. Is that why? <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Is that why when you want to call someone short, you call them an Austrian clock tower? I don't know. I don't That's speak German. Time speak I've German. told that joke tonight. <laughs> You're such an Austrian yeah. clock tower. How dare don't you? Don't you dare sir. call me that. How dare <laughs> you? Sir. Okay. No, this is classic. Even with the uh, the the Puntagamers more integrated and they the angle of the flag. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. it's nice that they've and, returned. And then the fans did do some action to petition to get the corporate sponsor removed from the official emblem. Um, which I like because uh, it'd be like it'd be like the Bud Light Chicago Fires, you know. Or, hey, if it meant winning, I'd take <laughs> it. I would take it. I would be like, yes, let's go Bud Light FC. I don't know, be wrong, wrong example. If it was like, um, if it was like, um, let's see. I mean, well, it's, Herod's it's, Herod's uh, Chelsea or something like that. I don't know. It's yeah. Herod's Chelsea. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, it or the re- LA Dodgers present Chelsea, <laughs> 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 which is kind of what it is. <laughs> yes, the San Francisco 49ers present Leeds yes. United. Oh <laughs> well, this is a great so, one, except for even then, is those are the owners, not the sponsors. This is a sponsor. Oh, yeah, so, it's so it'd be like, like you bet 365, uh, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so they're, they're, yeah. that looks great. They're pretty cool, except for the 90s and the 2000s, dark, dark days. 
Yeah. And you'll notice that the 40s are missing, and I still refer to the 90s and 2000s as the dark days. <laughs> um, so there is a uh, another team in the Europa League uh, that I wanted to just mention. Uh, Maccabi Haifa FC. This is an Israeli uh, professional football team. And up until I find I found articles even from October 3rd about how this team was a real symbol of peace and unity in the region because the squad had Palestinian, Arab, Israeli players, and the largely Israeli fan base was very supportive of all of them. Well, obviously, on uh, you know October 7th, after the Hamas terrorist attacks and then the subsequent kind of aggressive bombing of Gaza that's been continues to go on by Israel um, and all the kind of pain and loss on both sides of that conflict, that tension is obviously filtered into the team as well. And when the bombing first started, the star player on the team, who is a Palestinian-Israeli, um, his wife posted something to the fact that, you know, that our children in, in Gaza too. And because it's such a polarized time and people's loss and pain is so fresh, everything is absolute around this issue, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of the Israeli fans were demanding that she apologize, that he explain why she didn't come out and condemn Hamas. Uh, there's calls for him to leave the team. There's still a lot of pressure for him to leave the team. Meanwhile, other Palestinian and Arab players are being asked to make public apologies or condemnations of Hamas, a group they have nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really, we talk a lot in a lot of these crest deep dives we've done, how much history um, of the world has overlapped with these clubs and how it's reflected in the fan base and the stories of the clubs. And it's, it's really heartbreaking to see that happening in real time. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, my heart goes out to these players as they try to compete in this competition and in all competitions. But it also made me think of, of this picture from the New York Times, which is one of many I've noticed of, of Palestinians digging through the rubble of an area of Gaza after it was bombed. And you'll see usually young men dressed in soccer jerseys. Um, and it makes sense, right? Because the soccer jersey is so ubiquitous in the world because the sport has reached every corner of the world. But it's so jarring to see a, a someone don the, the jersey of a player they look to as an aspirational figure of a team they look to for a moment of escape from their lives of hope in amongst such complete chaos and destruction. Um, so you're familiar with the Christmas Day truce? Famous? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So Christmas Day truce famously in the first uh, few months, I think it's the fourth month into World War I, uh, German and English troops were entrenched across a no man's land from each other near Flanders, Belgium. Um, and on Christmas morning, the German troops started calling to the English in English, you know, saying they wanted to come out and they came out of their trenches unarmed. And the two sides came out and met, and they exchanged gifts and chocolate, sang songs, and famously played soccer. And that story, like numerous games of soccer, that story is often used as an example of the kind of beautiful unifying power of this sport, or all sport, really. Um, because it was this pause of, of 
battle, this chance to see the humanity in the other side. And when I see this this picture, um, which is a, a young man in a Ronaldo jersey in the rubble of Gaza, I, th- I know that it was taken a time that all the major leagues, uh, football leagues around the world are playing right now. Mm-hmm. We have the Europa League, we have Championship League, and they continue to move on. And in fact, a lot of leagues like um, the English Premier League have outlawed any symbol of the Israeli or Palestinian flag out of fear of retribution. And I can't help but think of the contrast, how there's that story of of this ideal of the game bringing people together, but this moment, it seems to be a screen covering what continues to go on. And it's also made me think about in the last few weeks, there's been a lot of outpouring of grief for the loss of the great Manchester United England player, Bobby Charlton, and which is justified because when you are a fan of the sport, you create memories, you create connections with people, places, and moments. And the figures who are pivotal to those memories uh, leave a gap when they leave because it's like part of your memory is gone. But on the other side, I think about all these fans like this, this gentleman in this picture, um, young fans, older fans who have found moments of joy in the game, who perhaps were incredibly talented at the game and who were maybe the future of the game, who were just completely decimated yeah. on both sides of the border, in Israel and in Palestine. And we don't know that history. So as, as the football world took so much time to honor this figure of its past, I would hope that we also are aware of a future that we're losing. Um, and that while it's great, we should enjoy these games, it is a great time to come together. Let's not allow it to become a screen that hides us from what's going on in the world um, and the loss that we're all experiencing, that that the game doesn't even realize it's experiencing. I think the only real player that I know of has spoken out is, is, is Salah from Liverpool. Um, because I think people are so afraid to say anything yeah, because it's so anything. polarized. The sides are so understandably wounded. And yet, you know, today I was reading the quote, Obama was talking about it. And he recognized that, that kind of stasis because of the pain on both sides. But the problem is there are still children dying and we need to get to a point where we just stop the kids from dying. So I don't know. I just think it's interesting. We talk about the game a lot as a lens of society. Um, And when you look at the Europa League, you know, I I can't imagine, like I said, the players of that team continuing on as fans. And I wish them the best. And I hope they can come back to a point where those those players and fans accept each other and experience that joy together. Um, And that the same sort of attention and focus that we put on a ball that maybe was over an imaginary line or not, <laughs> we can we can put on and what's going on there. So yeah. I just wanted, uh, thanks, let me take a moment. Yeah, thanks to for say saying that. that. That was well said. Is there anything you're looking forward to this week? Always. What's that? Always. I'm always looking forward you're, to the next Leeds victory. The next Leeds victory. Oh, they are They're good so, now. <laughs> I know, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's a phenomenal. new team, yeah. Oh. Well, like I said, we've recorded this episode twice. <laughs> so as we say, from one Austrian clock tower to another, goodbye. <laughs> Ding dong. Ding dong. All right. Should I hit record? <laughs> <laughs>